1: Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. On today's show, we have some happy news to report. Uh, just over this past uh, week, a an Amazon warehouse on Staten Island voted to unionize, becoming the first unionized Amazon warehouse in the US. This is a really big deal. Um, Amazon has become... One of, if not the largest employers in the country, given just the sheer scope of what it is they do. Um, And for, as we've discussed repeatedly on this show, uh, they have not been particularly friendly to workers or to the idea of those workers unionizing. So we're going to talk about the things that led up to this pretty momentous victory for the labor movement. Um, a lot of the coverage in the days since this uh, election uh, results were announced has focused on um, a guy by the name of Christian Smalls, who has been a sort of central figure in the unionization effort. Um, Christian Smalls first uh, came to, you know, be mentioned in the news a couple years ago now, almost two years exactly, late March uh, 2020. You know, which you might remember, the first month of the pandemic in the United States was when he was fired by Amazon because of uh, his efforts in sort of pushing back against how they were handling the pandemic. The great irony and the nice narrative of the story is that from this, he then went on to unionize the warehouse from which he was fired. Um, before I run out of steam, do either of the two you have something to say here?
2: Well, I I think that Christian Smalls' story has a little bit of everything because you've got companies misusing pandemic regulations to abuse and fire employees. They fired him claiming that he had been in contact with an employee in violation of quarantine rules, which as he pointed out, you know, uh was applied unfairly in his case and because he had led the walkout. It's got a little bit of um an an interesting piece of worker exceptionalism, a little bit. Chris Smalls has talked about how when he started at Amazon, uh, the standard was two hundred fifty items, but he was socking uh, per hour, but he was socking away four hundred, and so that became the new standard. And eventually, he was put in charge of training other workers and so on. So he was not allowed to join Amazon's management structure, um, and you can all guess why that is if you are familiar with this. If you are not, Christian Smalls is a black man. And he says that he interviewed for manager 49 times, was interviewed exactly twice, and never got it. You can draw some conclusions from that, obviously. And and then his comeback to Amazon, his organization of the Amazon labor union, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but the the difference in tactics, I think, were vital to him being able to unionize this, uh, this warehouse, which I believe is called JFK-8. Yes, that's You might correct. hear that once or twice during the rest I, of the show. I'm assuming
1: that's sort of a reference
2: to the airport nearby, but... Yeah. It's a warehouse on Staten Island, if we're familiar. Yes. The most cursed okay. borough. The one I haven't been to.
3: Because it's cursed, obviously. Yeah. And because it, also it requires
1: a boat ride.
3: Well, yeah. I was going to say because it has a vampire coven on it, but uh, never mind. Uh- <laughs> we're
2: not doing <laughs> sponsored content now. We're not. <laughs>
3: exactly that was spontaneous moving on yeah i so it's as Noah was saying you know it's it's a fascinating story that this this guy not single-handedly but but largely you know he did a lot of the the individual work in making this a reality and making this union happen um but it also is a testament to the power that thinking of others can have, because he could have walked away at any point. He is no longer an employee of, Star, of uh, Amazon. They fired him and they said some really terrible things about him on his way out the door. But he came back, he formed a union and won in order to help other people, which is really awesome and uh, a testament to the, the fact that you can live and do work other, for others.
2: We really um, should get into that. Amazon explicitly, his, Amazon's general counsel, said that Christian Smalls should be made the face of the Amazon union movement because he was not smart or articulate. And well, uh, now Christian Smalls is the president of a union that beat Amazon. So uh, nice going.
1: There's a real you know, dramatic irony in all this, J- reading the articles about... Um... First, his firing and then, like, the smear campaign. Um, this is an article from Vice on April 2nd, 2020, a couple of days after his firing. Um, talks about, uh, you know, the not smart or articulate quote continues with uh, To the extent the press wants to focus on us versus him, we will be in a much stronger PR position than simply explaining for the umpteenth time how we're trying to protect workers. Amazon not particularly known for trying to protect workers uh, we've been over this on the show before that the pace at which amazon employees work has consistently gone up and gone up in dangerous ways in ways that uh, have made work there less hygienic and less safe famously their delivery drivers are using the bathroom in bottles because if they t- stop to you find a restroom they would not have time to meet the quota that's required of them. Some warehouse workers wear diapers for similar purposes.
2: Um, I think that Amazon denied happened and then admitted like 20 minutes later when simply asked about it again. Yeah. This, this is a company that has stooped so low as to have uh, designated workers put boxes in their Twitter display names and posts about how much they love working for Amazon. I mean, it it's... It's one of the big, like, it's one of the big giants because Amazon is obviously it's shipping arm, but then it's web services, people and everything. And one of the things that's kind of wild about this is sort of the hubris of thinking that you could become this big a company and nobody would try to organize your workers.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, and so instead Amazon ended up spending millions and millions of dollars on union busting consultants for what and we've talked about why on the show before but for what were modest requests by employees that you you they definitely spend more money employing Jen Psaki's old bosses than uh than they than they would have had to spend if they had just given the workers what they wanted
1: Amazon really rolled out all the stops of union busting as you mentioned they hired a uh You know, an anti-labor consulting firm. Um, This one in particular has notable ties to the Democratic Party, which, um, you know, must be uncomfortable for some figures and, you know, might not be uncomfortable for others. Uh, Headline from CNBC, March 31st, so just last week, just before these results came out, uh, Amazon hired an influential Democratic pollster to fight Staten Island Union Drive. And obviously Amazon or this Staten Island warehouse is not the only place where Amazon has been on, you know, on the attack against unions. So uh, we've discussed in the past, the unionization effort in Alabama uh, at a warehouse in Bessemer there, that warehouse had an election that um, did not go the union's way and was then challenged because Amazon had broken labor law in the buildup to that election. And, has, they've since had another election, which the results are too close to call at this point with all the challenge ballots, though it does look like the union may well lose again in a much closer election than the first one. Um, I'm going to quote from the CNBC article you know, to give an idea of what this uh, consulting firm was doing. Uh, at JFK 8, Amazon's lar- largest warehouse in New York City, and three other facilities on Staten Island, GSG, um, which stands for Global Global Um, Strategy Group. Yes, thank you. uh, Has put together videos featuring Amazon managers and executives and distributed flyers to staffers. Amazon has delivered anti union presentations that workers have been required to sit through at meetings, which were often attended by representatives from GSG, according to a person familiar with the matter. GSG employees have also been monitoring the social media accounts of Amazon labor union organizers, said the person who has not to be named due to confidentiality.
3: Very normal.
1: You know, the usual stick, forced meetings, um, you know, surveillance of, you know, your outside of work activity, you know, everything they can do to try and clamp down on this effort, um, you know. Smalls was fired for organizing a walkout. Firing employees as retaliation is technically illegal. And Smalls did eventually get his job back because it is illegal. But nevertheless, a common tactic because enforcing it is hard to prove. You have to prove that they were fired for organizing and not for you know the ticky tech violations that... Any boss can cite against any employee. Um, We've seen similar happen to organizers at Starbucks in
2: recent months. And I think part of the reason these companies... So this has been standard operating procedure for companies facing unionization. But Amazon and Starbucks are running up against the fact that Bezos and Schultz are probably on the enemies list of the White House, not for being rich, but for being people who might run for president one day and Biden (laughs) can't have that.
1: So remember when Howard Schultz was going to be the labor secretary
2: under Hillary Clinton?
3: Oh my God. Really? That That was a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was Uh, a thing.
2: So can you imagine him giving a speech to the national labor relations board or something where he makes that blanket analogy? (laughs) Absolutely. It would have. Oh, anyway,
3: That would have been fun. I So, and in case we've missed it, to just detour a little bit to talk about Starbucks, Howard Schultz is now the CEO again of Starbucks because he is so anti-union that the other guy, having had several stores unionized under him, they were like, no, we can't do this anymore. We have to be so anti-union.
2: Uh, we've got to bring in the big guns.
1: you got to bring in the
3: big guns. Which is
2: interesting because- you you could argue that one of the most effective union organizers for Starbucks is Howard Schultz. Yeah. Like every time he shows up and opens his mouth, I think a few more stores file. But what I wanted to bring up as as far as that comparison is that these companies have been doing this for a long time, but what's weird about this is now you have the National Labor Relations Board actually taking a hand in these mm-hmm. and try and often more often than not finding merit. Now mind you, that doesn't mean that much. Because the NLRB can't actually directly fine companies. It can only file briefs and so on and, and kind mm-hmm. of support the complaint that the employee is making. But still, we do have, if, if there is one thing that the Biden presidency has done yes. very well, it's pushed the NLRB to be more active in defending <clears throat> workers' rights, in helping workers unionize, in giving them the, the support and resources to do better. To be fair, the bar that it was starting from is very low indeed. Right. So you know we don't want to give undue credit here, but at the same time, I don't know if it's too far to
1: say that some a lot of this stuff wouldn't have happened if this was 2019, if this was
2: still the Trump presidency, um, or even 2013, because Amazon unionization efforts which actually date back in an interesting parallel with Starbucks. Once again, date back to 1999 when the communications workers of America tried to uh, organize a a group of, of workers about 400 customer service reps uh, back then when supposedly Jeff Bezos was still using his garage door as a desk or whatever the heck it was. Sure. At any rate, it's been a big garage. Yeah. At any rate, or a big desk. Anyway, you know, even in 2013, 2014, there were efforts in a number of different Amazon facilities that were all shut down with these exact same tactics, and the NLRB kind of soft pedaled all of it. So there's definitely a change in that climate, and I think Amazon and Starbucks are trying to see exactly what they can get away with, because they know that at some point this appeal route goes to the Ringwraiths and John Roberts, the Witch King of Angmar. And once he gets to write the opinion that outlaws unions, then he will finally have completed his goal and uh, we will all be under the of Sauron for eternity. So I, I think that's one of the reasons they've been willing to kind of continue this tactic, even though everybody's signaling to them that it's not going to fly as easily anymore. Um, in this case, though, they, you know, it bit back at them. Thankfully, <laughs> it's been
1: pointed out on twitter that one of the tactics that uh, companies often use to stifle unionization is the threat of moving and in the case of amazon and starbucks that's harder for them to do because one of the selling points for both those companies is they are everywhere amazon cannot do you know overnight shipping to new york city unless they have a big warehouse in new york city um, they have several big warehouses, but they need you know more than one um, Starbucks can't do what it does, whatever it is that it does. If they aren't on every other corner in every major city of the country, you know, if you live in a city, there's a Starbucks within 10 minutes of you. Um, and that's how their business works. You know, their ubiquity. And so, That's one card that is sort of off the table as far as uh, Mm anti-union tactics. Um, I do want to read a bit more from the CNBC article on GSG. Um, The videos and printed materials distributed by GSG attempt to discourage employees from voting to join a union. They use phrases like one team working together and unpack it. Get the facts (laughs) about unions. A slogan repeated on Amazon's anti-union website. Some of the materials taught the many benefits that Amazon already provides, including healthcare, vacation time, and opportunities for improving job skills. Um, and sort of weirdly, uh, after this story came out, uh, a representative for GSG said that uh, this they didn't do this. They like they claimed it was grossly inaccurate and misrepresents their work. And they didn't create or distribute materials or attend audience meetings um which CNBC says they stand by the reporting it's just weird to see that sort of denial
2: when when CNBC says this this influential business is lying to us you you messed up that's a real t-shirt causing questions moment right there <laughs> i i also wanted to point out and i'm very sorry i i don't think i'm mangling this because i i remember seeing it but i don't remember which of these various articles This was because a little bit of Inside Baseball. This is my second time reading all of these. But I remember in one of them, they talk about the obviously racist implications of firing Christian Smalls and then smearing him as somebody who was unintelligent and so on. And one of Amazon's defenses appears to be that they didn't know he was black, which is very interesting because we've talked before on this show about how union-busting consultants will gather every possible bit of data on every employee up to and including race and ethnicity. Like, these people are basically a census bureau for corporations. The idea that a pollster like this, because that's what GSG used to be, and it should be pointed out, they've even done polling for unions, for the SEIU in in GSG's case. Um, the idea that a pollster like this, or that a, that a very influential anti-union consultant like this, wouldn't have access to that information, is complete claptrap. I mean the, the level of the level of hubris to be this obvious about the lying is I again I think a, a symptom of the fact that it has worked for so long. Uh because for the longest time it has been very easy to tell people, well no, unions are bad and they, you know, they don't help out and they don't protect you from this, and then they create freeloaders and blah 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 blah. But then the problem is once you destroy unions and you make union density what it is in the United States when you don't really have a lot of experience of unions and when they are increasingly the only thing protecting some workers from further miseration there's no way to think of them as bad and and that makes it really easy to push people to them it 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 is almost weird that it isn't easier in some cases but we'll we'll leave that for some other time
3: yeah to me that's that's one of the most astonishing things about a lot of the anti-union tactics that are out there is they're blatantly coercive they're they're so transparent in what they're trying to do and it's you know given the fact that all of these corporations have record-breaking profits that amazon's worth truly a trillion dollars literally um and they can't pay people a couple more do- dollars an hour uh, you know what are we going to turn your profits from 1 billion into 5 billion or from 5 billion into 4 billion like it's it's a drop in the bucket as far as wages are concerned in the valuation of your company and to me that's the most obvious tactic is is very clearly this is that and and when companies are afraid of unions when they say this like what are they afraid of then exactly is the basis of their economy exploiting people so precious to them as far as their business model that they're willing to not even give a little bit like what is it so yeah fascinating thought process really
1: and you know, these sorts of tactics that Amazon has undertook at, with regards to the Staten Island warehouse are not unique to Staten Island. Um, I have an article from last March, uh, once again, just about a year ago now. It details, you know, Amazon's efforts to intimidate those who would organize against it, uh, you know, to put it politely. Quoting the lead from the article, The day after Jonathan Bailey organized a walkout over COVID-19 concerns at an Amazon warehouse in Queens, he was, he said, detained during his lunch break by a manager in Black Camouflage Vest who introduced himself as ex-FBI. Bailey, who co-founded Amazonians United, a network of Amazon workers fighting for better pay and working conditions, was ushered to a side office and interrogated for 90 minutes, according to testimony filed to the NORB.
0: Normal. Normal.
1: Yeah. The manager asked exactly what Bailey had said or done to get his fellow workers to join the walkout. When Bailey declined to explain, the manager shifted his tone. He told Bailey that some people, quote, felt hurt by what he did and that it, quote, might be seen as harassment, Bailey said. Quote, it was already a pretty intense conversation, but it became very clear they were trying to intimidate me, Bailey said. Quote, being accused of harassment is a very dangerous thing. A week later, Bailey received a formal write-up for harassment, although his managers would not tell him who he had allegedly harassed, nor what he had allegedly said or done, according to NLRB testimony.
2: Great. Just no notes.
3: Yeah, and it again, props to the NLRB for actually doing something because their whole thing is to defend the status quo, and right now the the status quo is not having unions and uh, destroying unionization wherever it actually exists. That's the reality that people are fighting right now. Um, and I think Amazon, in the statement it released after the, the JFK 8 results were announced, was that they deliberately blamed the NLRB for uh, exerting like undue influence or something like yeah,
2: that. Yeah, they, they went full stop the steal. On the NRB, which is <laughs> yes. particularly funny when you consider the fact that Jay Carney, the man who released that statement, is a former Obama administration alum. Like he's doing this to the guy who was vice president when he worked in the White House. He's not even the only Obama administration alum involved in all of this. So you really. Have to be especially impressed with them because, you know, Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. He has no allegiance to anybody except himself. Most of the people doing this, most of the people fighting these unionization efforts have no allegiance to anybody other than Jeff Bezos because they're good little feudal vassals. But <laughs> these workers are fighting not just, uh, you know, Amazon, but they're fighting a political uh body that for the most part has zero interest in helping them. Uh, No matter what its formal party affiliation may be. The NLRB is actually somewhat taken aside in this case. And Biden has made statements of support to some degree. But like the bar is real low. Real, real low at this point. So it is, it only makes the victory, I think, that much sweeter and more noticeable.
3: Exactly. And the fact that Amazon now wants to basically talk to the manager of the NLRB they want to prosecute and investigate them for undue influence is a little disturbing because they do have the political power to do some of that at least Um, and
1: they have ties to influential pollsters
3: (laughs) exactly uh they they can do anything um And I I am a little concerned about the fact that that might be a route for them to take, exactly as Noah said, where they'd go to the ring wraiths and have that whole body thrown out or made unconstitutional for whatever reason. But there have been, what, 37 complaints against Amazon in the past year, year and a half to the NLRB that have been found to be substantial in some way or another. So they're doing bad things. Even Walmart (laughs) only had like nine in the same time time period. So Amazon is uh, absolutely doing wrong and illegal things. And they're just sad that they aren't getting away with it to the same degree they were before.
1: On the subject of things Amazon is doing, um, I I do want to get through one one more article Mm -hmm. in this segment. Um, It's in the New York Times headline, very simple, How Amazon Crushes Unions. It's from last March. Um <clears throat> and it talks about um a plant in or a warehouse in Virginia and specifically like twenty sixteen, so middle of last decade, you know, well before this stuff on Staten Island was starting, they had posted note a notice on in this warehouse that uh, well Amazon listed twenty-two forms of behavior it said it would disavow, each beginning in capital letters. Quote, we will not. We will not threaten you with the loss of your job if you are a union supporter, Amazon wrote, according to a photo of the notice reviewed by the New York Times. We will not interrogate you about the union or engage in surveillance of you while you participate in union activities. We will not threaten you with unspecified reprisals because you are a union supporter. We will not threaten to get union supporters. Um, Amazon posted the list after the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers accused it of doing those very same things during a two-year-long push to unionize 30 facilities technicians at the warehouse in Chester, just south of Richmond. Um,
2: so these tactics have a long history with Amazon. It, it is, again, I just I keep coming back to this. It's so normal and well-adjusted that they would threaten to get union supporters just yeah you know
3: again my uh we will not do these things t-shirt is raising questions or however it goes
2: again this is obama administration we're talking here this is 2013 2014 if i remember <laughs> correctly so like it was there he just had to start wearing purple and green and we might have recognized it.
1: <laughs> w- one more quote from this article uh The Chester settlement notice mentions one worker by name, Bill Huff Jr., a machinist who led the Union tribe. The notice said Amazon had issued a warning to Mr. Huff that he was on the verge of being fired. Amazon said it would rescind the warning. Six months later, in August 2016, Amazon fired him anyway. So, while he was in the hospital,
2: by the way, yes.
1: Even after this settlement, after they were legally required to post a notice saying that, They would not, you know, reprisal against this guy for his uh, involvement in a unionization campaign.
2: They fired him anyway. And his manager, Bryson Fry, who was, you know, one of the guys intimidating him, has since said on social media and talked to the New York Times and said, you know, I'm not surprised by the tactics that Amazon is using to stop unionization now. Uh, He talked about, I was involved in two union campaigns, and I think he said Virginia and then Delaware. Now, mind you, he's not saying that he was involved on the side of the bosses, which is a key context here. but he is saying that they pulled out all the stops. Like Amazon has been worried about this from day one, same as Starbucks, because their whole business is, is a workforce that they treat slightly better than everyone else gets treated so that they can avoid ever having to deal with a union. In the case of Starbucks, I mean, coffee shops are generally not unionized anyway, so whatever but in the case of amazon like you're dealing with businesses and firms that are traditionally unionized so going this route was a way to just skirt around all of labor skirt around the us postal service and you know <clears throat> become an in, it, during the pandemic become an indispensable part of everyone's life or almost everybody's life uh, in such a way that you could mistreat your workers however you wanted, because the fact was that most people, including Bill Huff's son, who is mentioned in that article, um, use you for everything. You know, he, his son comes in and grabs, I think, a fishing hat uh, package, of which he owns about 25. Those are too many fishing hats.
1: I won't comment on how many fishing hats is normal to own. Um will not pass judgment on any of our listeners who might have, you know, couple dozen fishing hats if, if that's you you know we respect you here on punching out um, after this break we're going to come back and discuss the ways in which amazon uh, labor united was able to overcome these obstacles and overcome amazon's union busting tactics in order to actually win a union we'll be back
3: you're listening to punching out on whale 104.3 you can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still y'all. And Lou. Hey guys in the first segment today we talked a bit about the um, litany of anti-union tactics taken by Amazon in order to fend off workers who would you know like a little more say in how their jobs are run at their various warehouses across the United States In this segment we're gonna move into um, a bit more about you know the thing that spurred this discussion which is that a, a Staten Island warehouse, One unionization in an NLRB election just this past week. We're going to talk a bit about how the organizers there overcame the odds in a lot of real ways because not only is this, you know, a first time organizer, this is the work of a first time union. They did not go through the typical unions that have uh, existed in the past. They formed one of their own, an independent one, and overcame all of the various tactics we've discussed to win an election. Um, what stood out to you about what we've read on this? You know, what, cause we've read a few articles in preparation on like how these organizers worked and their methods. Um, what stood out to you?
3: I, for me, I mean, it was, it was the fact that they actually fought back in a lot of ways. And, and it's not to say that, that other unions haven't tried to fight back. I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of them, but for example, one of the tactics that the this ALU union um, did was go into meetings and say, "Wait a second, that's that's not exactly true," and and talk back. Which I honestly don't know why people haven't thought of doing that before. Um, just you know, right there in their face, going, "This isn't true," and and using the exact same tactics that the anti-union stuff does of campaigning, of of uh, sharing information, and and talking to people. Um, I don't know why that's a new tactic, to be honest. Uh, But then again, I am not somebody who is really allowed to unionize. Um, So, you know, I'll let other people do the thinking on that. And I'm not going to question it too much. But yeah, they, they tried new things and it worked. It worked really, really well.
2: I think what's – because when we talk about a first-time union, and there is a day when we will stop comparing this effort, uh, this unionization effort to Starbucks, but it is not this day. <laughs> um, but it must be pointed out that Starbucks is doing this with and with the help of an established union, right? Don't they have mm-hmm. – they they've got some organizing help in that regard. Um, are they RWDSU as well? I don't know off the top of my head. I'll uh, look that up. And- the point is they're, they're doing this with the help of an established union, um, which is providing experienced organizers who can kind of help with, you know, setting up field work and whatnot. And while Chris Mollis, Derek Palmer, and the rest of the organizing committee for the ALU, uh, Derek Palmer, by the way, would be the vice president of organizing for ALU. They did have some small help in terms of, Unite here gave them office space so they could make phone calls and, you know, like a quiet area and things like that. They basically went it on their own. And I think the striking thing and maybe the reason why them standing up directly to management and saying you that's not true. You can't say things like that and so on is because Chris Moss, Derek Palmer, these people had they work at that warehouse. They are people that you're spending time around every single day, the most effective union organizer you're ever going to have is a fellow employee. And in this case, when Amazon said, because their line is the same as every other company, which has been the union is a third party. They're getting in the way. It's an illegitimate relationship. You know, not like us. We're a family. We talk to each other. Smalls and Palmer and the rest of them could quite ably point out that they're not. The, the, The union that they have doesn't really have an office. It doesn't have millions of dollars in dues. It has a GoFundMe budget that they are using on a heat lamp to keep workers safe and on serving them lunch and breakfast that they sometimes can't afford to bring in themselves. So it's very different from, you know, parachuting in uh, experienced organizers who can say like, you know, I did this campaign and I did this other thing and so on. They couldn't say that. Amazon legitimately had one of the most effective lines of attack. That companies have in the United States absolutely killed, mm-hmm. and that even with that, it should be pointed out that it also wasn't like they completely trounced Amazon. They won two thousand six hundred fifty four votes yes to two thousand one hundred thirty one no's. Sixty seven challenges. The place employs about five thousand people, so that you know is is most of them. So what you've got there. Is even with that, it was a close vic it was a closer victory than you know it really should have been. They estimated that they had about 67% support, uh, versus twenty percent strongly opposed. The rest of them weren't sure. And I think it's it's worth looking at that because I know that our RWDSU our did help with the Bessemer organizing efforts. Uh obviously Alabama, much less of a union culture down there. So they, they kind of needed the, the established help, the organizing help and all of that. And even with that, they failed because Amazon, I'm going to go ahead and guess, knowing working for a non-union place, that Amazon could very credibly say to them, well, these people, they, they're coming from out of state. They're not from around here. They, you don't know what you're getting into with them. They could negotiate a great contract or they could negotiate a uh, total poop for you we don't know and and you can't really and in a system of economic precarity like we have in artificially enforced scarcity that is a very potent argument to make to someone um and i i from my experience even people who recognize that a union could be a good thing for their workplace are for very understandable reasons not willing to make the possible sacrifice that they will be intimidated, that they will be retaliated against, that they will be mistreated or abused or have other things done to them by their boss. And this isn't even talking about Amazon, which at this point is a quasi-government. This is talking about like, you know, random coffee shop number 270. This is, th- this is a bit of a problem that we have.
1: Yeah. I mean, it should go without saying that the reason Amazon employs all the tactics we mentioned in the first segment is because, sadly they work. Um, they're very effective. You know, there's a reason this is the first union at an Amazon warehouse. It's not an easy thing to do to get past all of this. Um, before we move on a bit, I want to note that the Starbucks union is being done through workers United, which is a subset of SEIU just wanted to get that out there. Um, there's an article in in these times, which is an interview between, um, Writer there, and uh, among other people, Justine Medina, who's been working at the JFK warehouse since September. Um, And the reporter asks about these captive audience meetings that Lou, you touched on a bit in uh, what you said earlier, Um, you know, and how they became contested in a way that you don't often see from these meetings, and that, you know, ideally from the employer's perspective perspective they would never become this contested to quote from medina here they started captive audience meetings initially in the fall after we filed the first petition but then we had to withdraw the petition and they kept them going a little while then stopped them they were like oh we're done with that but once our second petition was accepted they restarted captive audiences right away around early february we were like We need to push back immediately and make our presence known. We need to start demanding time in these captive audience meetings to tell our side. So when they brought them back, we were ready to come together. At first, they didn't want to let us in. Some of us said, you have to let us in and asked the union buster who was blocking the door. What's your name? Show us your worker identification badge. Do you work here? Being just as antagonistic to them as they're being to us. We were well within our rights. At the Amazon workplace, you're not actually allowed in unless you have a badge, unless you're a worker there. It's funny that, because at Amazon's new hire orientation, they encourage you to be on the lookout for things like that, to have a backbone and commit. We were like, all right. Um, so here you have them sort of weaponizing Amazon's own words and, um, you know, training against Amazon in a, a fun
2: way. Yeah, verbal judo. I mean... I think on a very basic level, this is very appealing to people. Uh, There's the, the, there's the antagonism, which Lou, you talked about as well. You know, the fact that they actually fought back on these things. Again, I, you know, I, I distinctly remember a quote that this is from 10 years ago. Now Uh, the exact quote was, I am the most anti-union person you'll ever find, but how can they do this to us? It's like, Second part of the statement answers the first part of the statement, but sure. Um, but I think more than anything, that kind of saying, you know, you don't work here. Where's Where's your badge? Why are you in here? How are you allowed to be in here? And all that sort of thing. I think that is very appealing on a basic level. It is creating a community among the workers and everything ALU did. And that shines through even in profiles like uh, there's one here from, what is it? The city.nyc. Um, which is that publication just called the city? I yes. It yes, appears to be. I don't me, think I, it's I affiliated out, with
1: the hmm? city. I don't think it's like a government inst-
2: No. You know. Well, I'll tell you who it's affiliated with, or at least who I get advertisements for when I read that piece, is Spectrum News. And it's interesting that the piece cannot stop referring to the shoes worn by the two organizers. Like it has to identify them exactly by brand in all of their clothing. And it's pretty clear what that's trying to do. But even in those, it shines through that, again, Chris Malls, Derek Palmer, um, Angelica Maldonado, I think was her name. Every member of this organizing committee was doing, was basing themselves on creating community on making an actual, like, you know, they were taking the unit part of bargaining unit really, really seriously. And I think that mattered more than anything else. They created a climate in which you wanted to be part of that union because that union was, again, doing things like helping keep them warm, which Amazon actually tried to get that heat lamp removed because uh, they said it was on their property or something. Or no, the owners of the warehouse uh, went out there to harass union organizers saying, you need to move that lamp off. And as they pointed out, it's public property near the bus shelter. We can do what we want. So they pretty much refused to take it off. Um, the What is it? They've mentioned barbecue, empanadas, ziti. You know, They were bringing good homemade food for people who couldn't afford to bring food, and they were giving it away for free. So there were all these things, all these very basic, often very corny ideas. And that's something that I think a lot of people, um, (laughs) certainly I think a lot of millennials, sort of struggle with in, in terms of union organizing. Corny often works because it's earnest. And these people, when they talk about unionization, when they talk about what they want to see from Amazon, are nothing if not earnest. We've talked before about how in other places that have unionized, one of the things that speaks the most to others is saying, I'm not getting, I'm not, uh, I don't want to unionize because I want to do less. I want to unionize because I want to do what I'm doing now or because I want to do what I think is fair, but mostly because I want to do a good job because the fastest way to turn someone off. And I don't really understand why in the United States, uh, out of any idea of organizing or anything is to say, well, I, I don't want to do as much as I'm doing, you know, There's always this innate competitiveness between the workers at a workplace. But if anybody can make a case that he was better at doing what Amazon wanted you to do than anyone else, it's Christian Smalls. So if he's saying we deserve better from Amazon, there is nobody in that warehouse who can tell him any different. And I think that, again, matters so much. uh, When you know what you're talking about, when you have that experience, I think people respond to that on a certain level that makes it possible to persuade them and bring them along with you.
1: There's a, an interview in Jacobin, uh, which was just published today, this Monday, um, which focuses on their efforts to win over um, a lot of immigrant workers at this warehouse. Um, the estimate in the article is that it might be upwards of 50% foreign born at this warehouse in New York City, uh, you know, reflecting the city around it. The interview is with an organizer by the name of Brima Silla, 55-year-old Liberian immigrant who works as a store on the morning shift at JFK 8. Um, He says that uh, he would see people, uh, quote, frequently either at lunchtime or on breaks, sometimes on the way out of work. But to be honest, a lot of workers here were not initially that impressed with efforts to build a union. They just wanted to come to work and go home. People complained a lot, but they didn't want to do anything. Uh, The interviewer here asks if they were, you know, intimidated. And uh, Sila responds, of course, many people were afraid of retaliation. Even myself, as immigrants, we work hard to live in this country and we don't want to jeopardize our jobs. So I was very careful initially. I wasn't even sure at first whether I wanted to wear the ALU shirt. Only later, as momentum started picking up, did I start wearing the ALU shirt. And eventually I became very brave and I stopped worrying as much about the risks. For this to work, some of us had to step up. Still, though, I had to take a lot of precautions. I always do my job professionally and I make sure not to violate any rules, which is why I could only talk about the union on break or after work. So, you're seeing again that intimidation works. It keeps people from wanting to do anything more than just complain and passing on break. Um, But, you know, it's also important to have a foothold in these communities and, you know, be able to cross language barriers, which, um, Uh, The Scylla in the article talks about, you know, happens to be very fluent in a number of languages, which are all spoken at this warehouse by some workers or others. Um, You know, quote, I talked with everybody, Africans, Chinese, Polish workers. One Polish guy, I started by asking him about football. It turned out he used to play fullback, uh, this being soccer, you know. We had a conversation and eventually I asked him what he thought about working at Amazon. He told me the pay was too low and that he had a lot of responsibilities because he had to take care of his elder parents. And it was really hard to do with 18 25 an hour. And when he told me he would vote yes on the union, I realized we really had everybody on board. Those conversations worked. We had no hidden agenda and people started to see that. I mean, talking to your coworkers is an important part of unionization. It's a necessary part. Uh, It's something, these sorts of efforts are built on conversations as much as they are on barbecues and food and, uh, you know, some other very nice things, you know, not to discredit those.
3: Yeah. And it's, it really does speak to a point that, I don't think we actually talk about enough on this show is, is we don't like work. We think that work should be abolished, but for a we're we are sadly in the minority on that. And there is a huge segment of the population that has a lot of pride in what they do and, and the time that they spent doing it. And I think the fact that this union can speak to that and that a lot of unions can speak to that pride and, Enforce it and say you do good work and and give that kind of validation is really powerful and uh I don't think we talk about that enough that that there is that aspect to work
2: you know it's been a long time since we did the case against work, but <laughs> the really the point of that episode was that there will always be stuff that needs doing right, and you know frankly, if the world is to continue the way that it's on. A massive logistics platform like Amazon is probably going to have to be some part of that. It may not be the way that it is right now, where you know it leads to you know the every ship with ever in the name getting stuck in some canal or whatever. But it it might have to. There is a value in having access to these warehouses and places to you know, for throughput and that kind of thing and transportation and so on. But the problem is that all of that shouldn't go to Jeff Bezos's pocket. Absolutely. That's the issue. That's what work is. It is ultimately working for somebody else, what we in Puerto Rico would say working for the Englishmen. And in fact, too many of them are still Englishmen. But the the result of that is, you know, we I think unions are like AOLU because they are built bottom up from these workplaces because they operate by putting... Workers in decisive positions, not union administrators, which I recognize that that's a skill set that at some point you kind of need to have. But at the same time, by having workers be the driving force, you can have a conversation about how much pride you take in your work, about how much you want to to do a good job. Everyone wants to do a good job, everyone wants to do good work. A lot of us, the thing that annoys us is that we don't feel like we're doing anything meaningful and we're right. But I think you can make a case, you know, much like the famous Honey Bunches of Oats lady from when I was a kid, um, that they are providing America with the goods that it wants and needs. And if you want to do a good job of that, a union helps you do the best job you possibly can at that. And if you and, and really, the problem is that for the pay that you're getting and for the responsibilities that you have outside of Amazon, the way your job treats you is abominable.
1: When we come back after this break, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what this unionization might mean going forward, you know. How can it build how can we build upon this victory to see some more? We'll be back.
3: You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester.
2: If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and
3: SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening,
1: but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah, Pax, and Lou. Hey guys. Um,
3: Just confusing today. We spent
1: most of this episode so far talking about the unionization effort that was successful at a Amazon warehouse on Staten Island. Um, and we want to spend the last 10 minutes or so talking about where we go from here. You know, we being the broad labor movement, working class, everybody, because I I think this has to be seen as something that sort of changes in many ways what is possible. Because there were a lot of people who thought that you just couldn't organize Amazon. You could not overcome the obstacles that they would throw in your way. It's simply too big to organize. And now we have proof that actually you can. You can do
2: it. They drowned um, the Spaniard. Good job, them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, you can get past these barriers. Um, and I, I think, again, we're going to compare it to the Starbucks thing. But after the first two stores in Buffalo unionized or voted to unionize. we've since seen eight in just the last few months across the country. There are up to 10 unionized Starbucks when last fall there were zero. And, you know, there are thousands more to go, but there's something to the idea that these things can snowball. These things build upon each other and success breeds success in some ways. And that's something that I think we should all be positive about, even if, as Noah, you're about to point out, there are going to be obstacles in the way of those efforts going forward. You know, new obstacles. Amazon isn't going to take this lying down.
2: No, they're going to take it sitting around the boardroom. But uh, what you're talking about, this is one of the few times I really wish we were releasing these that, that these were live because April 4th, 2022, 3.27 p.m. by Ken Klippenstein in The Intercept leaked. New Amazon worker chat app would ban words like union, restrooms, pay raise, and plantation. Also, this is the subhead, grievance, slave labor, this is dumb living wage diversity vaccine and others i particularly like that this is dumb is on there as a phrase because it is also what i said when i opened the article <laughs> um so apparently what this is is that in november 2021 i'm quoting here amazon convened a high level meeting in which top executives discussed plans to create an internal social media program that would let employees recognize coworkers performance with posts called Shoutouts, according to a source with direct knowledge, the major goal of the program, Amazon's head of worldwide consumer business and defensive posting, Dave Clark said, <laughs> was to reduce employee attrition by fostering happiness among workers.
0: Defensive <laughs> oh, no. posting
2: this with a face. and also productivity. Shoutouts. <sighs> Shoutouts would be part of a gamified rewards system uh. in which employees are awarded visual, virtual stars and badges for activities that add direct business value. Documents state at the meeting Clark remarked that some people are insane star collectors. They also discussed an auto bad word monitor. Would you like to know some of the words that are on here? Yes. This is the ultimate tag-yourself list I've ever... The first one is, I hate. That's me. predictably, union. Fire. Terminated. Compensation. Pay raise. Bullying. Harassment. I don't care. Rude. This is concerning. Stupid. This is dumb. Prison. Threat. Petition. Grievance. Injustice. This is interesting given the, the, the current corporate climate, diversity, ethics, fairness, accessibility, vaccine, confusingly, senior ops, living wage, representation, unfair, favoritism, rate, taught. So breakfast chat is, is off the, is not allowed. Unite slash unity. And then it gets more interesting plantation slave slave labor master concerned freedom you can't see this but i'm I'm making a particular face at the two of these uh people that i'm talking to right now restrooms bottles weirdly not banned but restrooms is robots trash committee and coalition amazing and then slurs and swear words sorry forgot to mention that they also banned those
0: Probably,
1: Probably fine with the slurs and swear words, we, yeah. I don't think their social media app needs those. But <laughs> what do you even say to something like that? There's so many words. <laughs> um, it, I regular listeners to punching out will know why restroom and bathroom are banned.
2: I mean, you can't even talk about them. They already don't have them.
3: <laughs> I, they, they they're shook, y'all. They're. Uh... They're quaking in their boots.
2: You can't even say I hate em. unions on this app. <laughs> That's
0: like, true. They're,
2: they're kind of like halfway shooting themselves in the foot. And by the way, they got real defensive about this and said, we haven't even launched this program and it may never be launched. Well, <laughs> yeah, now it's not going to be.
3: Yeah, now you can't. Uh,
1: I, I do want to note the article also mentions that, uh, quote, Amazon has experimented with social media programs in the past. In 2018, Ooh. the country launched a pilot program in which employees were handpicked to form a Twitter army advocating for the company, as The Intercept reported. The workers were selected for their great sense of humor, leaked documents showed. Um, I, I read
2: those posts. They, that selection process was real bad, if that's uh, what it was going for. If
1: you were on Twitter in 2018, you might remember the people with FC Ambassador and their username, they were um, ambassadors from Amazon's fulfillment centers um, who were there to uh, counteract all of the negative things you were hearing about Amazon's fulfillment centers. I've never
2: had to pee in a bottle. Why would you even mention that?
3: <laughs> Gosh.
2: Anyway, um, um, so yeah, that's that's what Amazon. That's what's coming down the pike. That's what Amazon wants to do. So let's very quickly talk about how you counteract that.
1: Well, you don't use this app, for starters. I, I think that's, like, job Great one is uh, you're you're not going to be using this app to
3: unionize. Yeah, step one, don't use public. You're going to be using it to collect stars. Yeah. That's
2: right, yes. Do that. Like Mario. <laughs> <laughs> they give I you invincibility. It
3: my... Yeah, that's really what's just missing from work is we need to turn it all into video games because... That's a great ad. Even That's more, a great thing yeah. to do. Yeah.
2: yeah. The the second thing I think, so it it might be a bad idea to involve, um, to really involve established unions in a lot of these efforts because again we've talked about how much like knowing personally the people that you're talking to matters. But one thing that everybody from Chris Smalls to uh, a worker quoted in a Jacobin piece about this election will tell you. Having family and friends who are union members and who have benefited directly from that is a huge deal. It's probably one of the reasons why it was easier to organize a warehouse in New York City, which is much more of a union town than Bessemer, Alabama. You know? I, I do think that the moment is ripe because if there is one thing that the enemies of labor have done in this country, it's that they've destroyed any kind of collectivization to the point where you can't even say it's a bad thing anymore because... For so many workers, it's the only thing protecting them from being put back out on the street. And even then, it's not stopping some some sectors of, of labor. And for many others, they don't remember, you know, the uh, the mob ties or any of the other things or, you know, the, the fights with environmentalists or whatnot. It's simply not, it's simply out of sight, out of mind at this point because it's out of living memory. And I think you can use that. I think it's time for a new labor move. I mean, obviously it's time for a new labor movement, but I think the the ingredients are there to really start making that come together.
3: Yeah, exactly as Noah said, like having union support outside of the union, like it, it might not work to help unionaires your place, but it will help y- the work environment in general. Um worth reminding everyone that as other industries unionize, wages go up, even if you're not in a, a company or in an industry that's unionized. Um, so it is important. And that ultimately is why companies like Starbucks and Amazon are fighting tooth and nail to keep this down. Uh, companies are organized they are incentivized and they are working together to make sure that we cannot have any power and that we can't change what they're doing. They're unionized. They're organized. We need to be as well. That's the only way we're ever going to get anything good out of this.
1: I want to end this episode with a quote from the uh, Liberian immigrant uh, union organizer, quote uh, interviewed by Jack Ben here. Uh, Brima Silla uh, was asked, you know what message he would have for the, other Amazon warehouses around the country. He says, we're going to help them, starting with the other warehouse in Staten Island, which has its own vote coming later this month. With them and with everybody from the warehouses in Brooklyn and Manhattan to all across the country, we're going to share our experience and help them succeed. We have learned from other unions, learned from experienced union organizers, and to support us, a union even gave us their office to use. Now it's our turn to do the same for Amazon workers everywhere. I truly believe that we have the power to improve our lives, and that's what we're going to do with the with a union. Amazon could be a great place to work, a comfortable place to work, a place where people don't just run out of that building after a shift as they do now, running out like the boogeyman is chasing them. Right now, Amazon is just a place you work so you can survive, but we can change that. And that is as optimistic a <laughs> an ending to punching out as we have had in quite some time. Uh, for this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Lou. <laughs> I was Noah. And this is punching out.
0: You've been listening punching to punching out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at punching, punching out. Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints and struggles to punching out. Wayo at gmail.com. Punching out is a project of the punching out collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.